Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Meshlove. Today we'll be exploring energy medicine. My guest is my good old friend, Dr. Norman Sheely, who is president of the Sheely Soren Wellness Center in Springfield, Missouri. He has 14 patents in energy medicine and has published 36 books and over 350 articles. Dr. Sheely's innovations include electroacupuncture, spinal cord stimulation, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, or known as TENS, and biogenics retraining of the nervous system. His clinical work includes comprehensive holistic management of pain, depression, anxiety, and chronic diseases. At the age of 87, Dr. Sheely is still active in clinical work, research, writing, education, and as a keynote speaker. And he is also the recipient of a number of Lifetime Achievement Awards. I know I first interviewed Dr. Sheely back in 1973. And another interesting biographical fact is that we both share the same birthday, December 4th, although Dr. Sheely is 14 years older than I am. Among his many books are Blueprint for Holistic Healing, Conversations with G which is uh, a book about his conversations with an angel. Energy Medicine, The Illustrated Encyclopedia of Healing Remedies, Life Beyond 100, Living Bliss, Medical Intuition, Miracles Do Happen, Pony Wisdom for the Soul, and Sacred Healing. Once again, this is an internet interview, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Norm. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. Mutual. It's been much too long. <laughs> yeah, I know back uh, in in the day, I guess 20 years ago, I saw you frequently. Exactly. Yeah, we all get busy. And you have been uh, continuing your work as a holistic health practitioner. And I know the field has gone through many changes from holistic health to alternative medicine to integrative health and uh, energy medicine, which will be the focus of our discussion today, I thought is a relevant term, not only because you've written a book by that title, but also because it, it sort of speaks to all the work you've been doing in pain relief. Well, you know, to me, everything is energy in every field. And, and of course, there are many aspects of conventional medicine that really uh, clearly fall into the category of energy medicine. I have a sister-in-law who just had enormous radiation treatment. She, she became radioactive. Well, and, and of course, drugs are energy. In fact, if you are a drug manufacturer right now, you should be very worried because 90% or more of all components of drugs are made in China. Why should that be a source of worry? 
because with the coronavirus threats, a lot of businesses are already being closed down because of being unable to get supplies. And their meat is rotting in the, in the streets in China because they can't ship meat back. I see. Well, that's happening right now as, as we speak. Uh, and I imagine even though this video won't be released for several weeks, uh, people, uh, this coronavirus outbreak is, uh, seems to be of worldwide concern. But maybe, uh, Norm, since you have su such a deep background in medicine, you could explain one thing to me that puzzles me. And, and it's this that I, I know maybe 1500 people so far have died of the coronavirus, but I recently learned maybe 12 to 30 thousand people every year in the United States die of the flu. So why why is the coronavirus regarded as uh, more of a threat today than the flu? Well, there are rumors that it's a more deadly virus. The flu takes thousands and thousands of lives every every year, I understand. Well, it you know, basically it's because people mostly don't take care of themselves. People who don't eat well, who don't sleep well, who eat junk, are susceptible to disease, period. And, and the flu is sort of always around, I guess. Exactly, especially during the winter months, but it can be any time of year. Let's come back to our topic of energy medicine. <laughs> It's always a pleasure to chat with you, but uh, maybe a good uh, introduction would be the work that you've done with uh, the development of the uh, TENS apparatus. That, uh, Two things that I introduced in the 60s, TENS and spinal cord stimulation, both of which are still used worldwide. I had spent three years in animal research studying how do we inhibit pain without damaging the person. And I presented my work on animal research at the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. And when it was only animal work, they screamed and yelled that I didn't know what I was talking about because of animals. But when I came back and with six patients, every neurosurgeon in the room was ready to do the procedure. <laughs> and so that has been used now. Well, for we, we had the 50th anniversary a couple of years ago. That's a long time. Yes, and, it, and it's still going. And, of course, since then, I've introduced cranial electrical stimulation and photostimulation and the scalar energy focused and the most important of all, gamma-producing pulsed electromagnetic frequency. So, now, gamma is a very fast uh, uh, brainwave, is, is it not? Well, it goes from upper 30s to 100, but the, the optimal level is 40 cycles. Mm -hmm. And our device is the only one that I know that safely puts the brain into gamma. Well, gamma was first enthusiastically reported in long-standing Buddhist priests who spent hours a day in meditation. And healthy people do produce gamma when they're meditating, when they're in a mood of what I would call peaceful creation, but when they are on any drug practically, when they have any drug, any illness, they don't produce much gamma, and worst of all is opioid addicts. They have absolutely no gamma. 
you uh, use uh, some sort of a pulse device that entrains the brain to the gamma ray, or I'm uh, not gamma ray, the gamma frequency. Exactly. Basically, many years ago, I had an intuitive hit that the chakras had certain frequencies. It just came to me out of the blue. And I wrote it all down. And I said, well, the first chakra will be 7.83 cycles because that's our frequency. And maybe each additional chakra will be another 7.83. So it would go from that to 7 times 7.83. And my guide said, but Norman, we're not clones. So people do have a little variation, plus or minus two. So we wrote it down from 5.83 to 7 times 7.83 plus two, which is 5.83 to 56.81. And I finally found an electrical engineer three years ago who produced the device for me. And so we started using it for diabetic neuropathy pain and other kinds of things. And about, well, 26 months ago, I suddenly thought, hmm, wonder what it does to the brain. And we tested it. And Jeff, even when it, you're sitting on the device, your brain is in gamma. Now, some higher concentration of gamma when it's on your head. But anywhere this is on your body, it puts the brain into gamma. So it is phenomenal. So then we took 10 recent opioid addicts who were in prison. And they had already been drawn, but they had cravings out the gazoo. And we asked them to volunteer to try this. They fell in love with it immediately. They were supposed to do it an hour a day. They almost all did it two hours or more a day. And within three months, they were already significantly free of cravings. And by 12 months, the cravings were gone for the first time since they became addicts 23 years ago. So so the device itself uh, is pulsed electromagnetic energy. Is that correct? That is correct. And there are a dozen or more devices that put out that. And what it does, you know, every cell in your body, when it's healthy and at rest, has a minus 70 millivolt charge. If it goes down to minus 60 or minus 50, then it, it may be hyperactive. If it goes to minus 90, it's inactive. And so in all diseases, mostly the cells are down at minus 50 and they're shooting off too much. And what this does, it puts them back into that minus 70 millivolt charge. And it's good for circulation. It's good for oxygenation. It's good for health. I have used it in every known disease, not just pain. But for instance, my two favorite cases are a woman who had severe lung disease, 75% oxygenation. In 30 or 40 minutes, her oxygen was up to 96%. Wow. Nothing in medicine can do that. And then I had a man who had the most severe Parkinsonism I've ever seen. He was brought in in a wheelchair with two people to get him on the exam table. They had to lift him. Even with two people holding him, he couldn't put his feet on the ground. And so I, he couldn't talk. He couldn't do much of anything. I sent him home to use this an hour a day. One month later, he walked 40 feet into the clinic. So it almost sounds like a panacea. Well, it, it can be. And I've had people who uh, have a blood pressure of, let's say, 210 over 120. 
come down to normal. So it can be unbelievably good. I mean, it, it is my favorite creation in, in, in my 87 years of life. <laughs> and you have, I know, a dozen or more patents. I think about 15, yes. And this one's pending. It's been applied for. I haven't got it yet. <laughs> I, I see. So you've been developing devices of, of this sort for a long time. I remember, now that I think about it, some 20 years ago, I had the Sheely Relaxmate to help uh, put me into a, um, if I recall correctly, I was using it to stimulate lucid dreaming. That is correct. It can put you into, uh, actually, the, the frequency you're using, either theta or delta. And 95% of people go into deep relaxation within five minutes using that. Mm -hmm. That was Those were glasses with uh, red lights that flashed. That, that is exactly, with a blue background. So the, the, the red light flashes against the blue reflection. So in, in all of these devices, what we're dealing with are the various vibrational frequencies of uh, different systems in the body. Exactly. And physics, of course, has dealt with all of this. And interestingly, there's also scalar energy. According to physicists, all empty space in the universe is filled with scalar energy and in an empty space the size of a helium molecule, there's enough energy to boil the ocean. So several years ago, I produced a scalar focusing device. And we had 28 people agree to sit in a room with four of these things focused on them for three hours, three times a week, nine hours a week, for one month. We measured their adrenomedulin before and after that. Adrenomedulin is a rarely recognized and talked about hormone, but it is the number one reaction cumulative to stress. The, the healthy range is 2 to 10. My patients averaged well over 150. Just from sitting in this room, you know, sitting in the room, roughly an hour a day, the adrenomedulin came down over 50%. So then we brought them back and, and took a live blood analysis to look at under the dark field microscope. And, you know, you can see up to 18 different inflammatory markers when you look at the blood under the microscope like that. So we took the blood and put the same blood on a different slide and just set it in front of the scaler for 20 minutes. Now, ordinarily, an hour later, that blood is almost dead. In this case, it reduced the inflammatory remarkers 80%. And we had the patients sit there for three hours, and we checked their urine for free radicals before and after, and the free radicals in three hours came down 40%. Since then, we've had people just have it in their bedroom, focused across the bed, up to three or four feet away, but just focused. And it is a remarkable stress reducer. Now, you might not be able to see it, but my hair was getting close to white. My hair color has about 75% less gray than it did 
three years ago, and I have a number of people who've done the same thing. So I have to assume that's just a side effect of stress reduction, even in someone who was already healthy. Now, people sitting quietly, of course, that would be like uh, meditation, which is also known to have many beneficial effects. Exactly. You know, I think for the average person, they don't know how to turn off their mind. And that's so important. I mean, the average person, no, come on. They, they, they can't stop thinking. Now, I began, you may remember, way back in 1972 with autogenic training. And there are now 25,000 scientific references on the benefits of autogenic training. If people do that 20 minutes, 18 minutes, really twice a day for three months, you learn how to detach. Who cares? <laughs> but what you're saying is the, the scalar energy generator and the, the gamma energy uh, uh, pulsed electromagnetic generators that you've developed produce effects over and above what would be found just from uh, meditation practice. Exactly. It, it, it does go way beyond. And, uh, I mean, I actually started working with the PEMF energy eight years ago before I produced my own gamma one. And uh, I was doing a research project on, I don't remember, 20 or 30 people with severe pain from diabetic neuropathy. And a 40-year-old man, he's lying there, and I'm just sitting in the room while his feet are being radiated, if you will, with the uh, PEMF device. And all of a sudden, he sat up, and I said, Sean, what's going on? He said, I feel as if my feet are moving. <laughs> and they weren't moving. The temperature in his feet had increased 12 degrees. And, of course, in diabetic neuropathy, one of the biggest problems is decreased blood flow. And so in that particular study with this original PEMF device, it reduced the pain of diabetic neuropathy 80%. And even in a three-month period, they had a 25% improvement in sensory loss. So that got my interest in the PIMP concept even before I produced my own gamma PIMP. You have both of these devices, the gamma pulsed electromagnetic frequency device and the regular pulsed electromagnetic frequency device. Yeah, well, mostly I only use the, the, the um, gamma one now because it covers everything. So much more effective. You know, the, the one that claims to sell the most in the world is Beamer. It's a $6,000 gadget. I have a dental friend who owns one. He brought it over, and we checked it. And it's great if you want to go to sleep. It puts you into Delta. So I showed him mine, and it puts you into Gamma, and he bought one of mine. <laughs> You know, earlier, uh, Norm, when you were describing how you developed this, focusing on the chakras and some ideas came to you, you mentioned your guide who, who was giving you advice in, in this process. So uh, that's a whole nother level of when we talk about energy medicine, work, working with guides. Well, yes. In 1984... One night, I oh, I mean, I, I'm a sound sleeper and a, and a long night sleeper, at least eight hours every night. At midnight, I suddenly woke up and I heard 18 different voices. And there were angels talking to me. And for the first time, I heard my own personal angel and got her name, Muriel. 
And about that same time, I had another angelic voice that I call G for guide. And I have talked with them through the years. In fact, five of my patents are direct downloads from one of those guides. That's fascinating. And I know you have a, a book called Conversations with G. Yes, A Physician's Encounter with Heaven. So th this is a level that very few physicians, even if they have these experiences, are willing to discuss openly. <laughs> well, you know, I've been out of the box since 1970 or so. <laughs> and to me, it's, it's just part of a normal possibility. I think many people get this kind of download, maybe not always realizing that it's another voice talking to them. I remember, uh, you, you may not remember, but I do. The very first time I interviewed you was about 1973. I think you were based in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the time. I, I was working at KPFA Radio, and uh, we did uh, a radio conversation back then. Well, I had met my first medical intuitive. We didn't call him that in those times. It was a psychic. And Henry Rucker, whom I met in December of 1972, one of the greatest one-on-one -on -one counselors I've ever known in my life. And I'd gotten interested, can someone like that make a diagnosis? So I invited Henry to come up to my clinic. And he brought seven other of his psychic friends with him. And they examined, just looking at, not examined physically, mentally, verb, uh, visually, just looked at the patient. And when they all agreed, they were 98% accurate. And Henry himself was 75% accurate on making a diagnosis. In fact, I had put a, one of my spinal cord stimulators in a patient earlier that week, and his blood, white blood count went up to 40,000. I thought we must have somehow sparked a, a, a latent um, leukemia. Henry just walked by the room and said, oh, he doesn't have any, anything like that. He just got liver damage. And it turned out that the anesthetic had damaged his liver a little bit. He said he'd be well in a week, and he was. And so for, for the rest of his life, from then until Henry, and he died, unfortunately, about 12 years ago, uh, he was a counselor at my clinic. So there you are working uh, back in the 1970s with a medical intuitive in your clinic. Exactly. At a Catholic hospital. <laughs> you also uh, co-authored a book with Carolyn Meese on uh, medical intuition, a training program. Yes. And, and we, we wrote a book called The Creation of Health. And that's where I, that's actually when I converted from a psychic to medical intuitive. And uh, Carolyn and I still work together. In fact, I talked to her on the phone twice this week. I, I see. Well, she has a, a global reputation as one of the foremost people uh, working in the field of uh, medical intuition. And I believe I read somewhere that, that you actually trained her. That is correct. It took us several years. But Carolyn, with just knowing your name and age, is 93% accurate in giving me a physical medical diagnosis. That, <laughs> what can I say? That's incredibly impressive. I mean, as most parapsychologists would be envious of anything near that sort of a track record. Well, and there's one physician who is 96% accurate 
and he can even give me the numbers on your MMPI with 96% accuracy. He, he reads the brain and the psyche better than he does the body, and he's a, he's a, he's a, a, an internal medicine man. The MMPI, you mean the personality inventory? Yeah, yeah um, the Minnesota multi-level personality. And that is Robert Lightman, L-E-I-C-H-T-M-A-N. And he's still going strong in Baltimore. That's uh, very impressive. And it, was he also one of your students, Norm? Well, he no, I, I heard, his, heard his name from somebody and got in touch with him. And he, he didn't need me. He was already trained. <laughs> it's almost like an underground. I mean, you were way ahead of your time. I think more and more people now are recognizing these areas in which you've pioneered. But it, it's still a little bit underground. It's I'm guessing that the American Medical Association doesn't really acknowledge these areas very much. Oh, no. In fact, even when I founded the American Holistic Medical Association in 1978, they refused ads for our founding meeting. They, they, they are the ones who never would accept the word holistic. So within a few years, they started calling it complementary and alternative. And then they started calling it integrative. Now, there's nothing wrong theoretically with integrative except the hospitals, the prostitutes that they are, have destroyed the word because they'll add something like hot stone massage and say they have an integrative medicine program. Well, integrative and holistic truly means everything, not one thing. You don't do one odd thing and call it something important. So they have a long way to go. They, 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 they haven't even started on the trail yet. <laughs> How about the various devices? Now, you mentioned the TENS device has been in use for 50 years. So I, I have to assume that's accepted by mainstream uh, medicine at this point. The TENS and the spinal cord stimulator are acceptable virtually all over the world. Just a year and a half ago, I gave a talk on it at an international meeting in uh, Switzerland, and there was all kinds of stuff going on in Europe with it. So, so to that extent, uh, medicine is, is coming along. They can appreciate that the body has electromagnetic functions that they can work with. Exactly. But when it comes, for example, uh, to the work you do with uh, angelic entities, spirit guides, <laughs> and, and uh, as I recall, reincarnation is also part of uh, the work that, that you do. And I want to tell you, Jeff, this week a Catholic priest came in to see me because he wanted to discuss reincarnation. And I referred him to Geddes McGregor's book, Reincarnation in Christianity. Until 325, from, from the, the death of Christ until 325, reincarnation was part of the Catholic movement. Constantine did not want people to think they had a second chance, so he was a leading force to get that stripped out of the Bible. Well, as, as I recall, uh, you wrote a, a very complimentary blurb uh, to uh, the book written by my friend Walter Semkew, uh, The Return of the Revolutionaries. That is correct. And, you know, that's an interesting one. I had had one past life therapy session myself in uh, early September of the 1972, 
1973, I was at a meeting of the Neuroelectric Society, and I'm sitting there, I'm about to give the next lecture, and the speaker says, and in the last century, there was a physician who demonstrated that you could operate on people in a mesmeric trance. And I said, oh my God, that was me. And I went, I got it in a plane and flew to London and I knew. And that, that is the, the case that uh, Walter Simcue first started with. And then he also mentioned that I had been uh, another person uh, in New Hampshire during the signing of the uh, Declaration of Independence. And when you say you knew, uh, did that mean that you were flooded by, with the actual memories, or was it more of just an intuitive knowing? Both. I mean, when I went to London, I get in a cab, and I said, take me to the College of Surgeons. The cab turned right, and I said, no, left! The cab says, I don't, he said, the surgeons are not there. I said, left! And he took me to the building that I intuitively felt, and I walked in the building, and I knew every room in it. It was the same building, the College of Surgeons still. Exactly. That, that's quite remarkable. So you're, when you talk about energy medicine, you really mean to include what we might call spiritual energies. Well, of course, that's the ultimate energy, isn't it? <laughs> it's not just body and mind, it is soul and spirit. Well, how do you, for example, when you talk about the use of, of the gamma stimulation, uh, that which and, and how that came to you through working with a spiritual guide, what's the relationship between an electromagnetic pulsed energy and a spiritual energy? Well, I think spiritual energy is really working at that scale level. And I often, one of my favorite thoughts is, every time I breathe, I am inhaling millions of space the size of a helium molecule. And if I just encourage my brain to transmute that, that can heal me. That's one of my favorite meditations. Now, I know you also wrote a book, I think it was uh, 90 Days to Perfect Health. Uh, so, you, you practice self-healing. Exactly. Well, actually, that was when I went back to get a PhD in psychology to understand self-control, self-regulation, autogenic training. And I developed what I call biogenics, which is now 60-some-odd exercises mentally to retrain the brain and body. And you've been practicing them now for many, many decades. Well, since 1972. <laughs> and look at you today. You're, I believe you're 87 and uh, still maintaining an active medical practice. And every morning, for your information, I get up and after I feed my dog, I do two hours of moderately vigorous physical exercise. I can get my heart rate up to 140, and I sweat hard, and I love it. <laughs> well, you look great. I feel good. Yeah, I know you've also written a book, uh, Life, uh, is it Life Beyond 100, uh, I think is the title? Now, you've brought up one of my most interesting topics. 
I suddenly had an idea in, in 2005, if we could only keep our DHEA and up and our calcitonin up and our free radicals down, we ought to live 160 years. <laughs> and I proved that we could regenerate telomeres. If you're a healthy person, your telomeres, the tips of your DNA, shrink 1% average every year of life. Well, I developed three specific techniques that on average will regenerate, regrow your telomeres 3.5% every year. And then, about eight months ago, I was talking to some people who produce patches to stimulate acupuncture points instead of needles or oils. And they said it activates your stem cells. And I said, look, we ought to find out whether it regenerates your telomeres. So we did a small project with just 15 people where we used just one patch a day and moved it between two acupuncture points. And Jeff, there was a whopping 8% regrowth or regeneration of the telomeres in six months. So we just started. I've done half of it already. Just got 30 new people already in a 60 person. And to me, this is the most exciting research I've ever done in my life. I mean, imagine 8% growth of your telomeres in, a, in six months. Wow. Now, let's explain uh, for our viewers uh, a little more about uh, the significance of telomeres. Uh, I believe you said earlier they, they are like molecules that are attached to the DNA. Exactly. And they're there because in your life, every cell in your body, as long as you're healthy and alive, is reproduced. I mean, skin cells are reproduced within days, blood cells within weeks, and even the brain. Every neuron in your brain is reproduced in at least seven years. So when you're 49 years old, you've got seven times you've replaced your brain totally. And But in healthy individuals, they wear out. I mean, it's like the eraser on your pencil. It gets used up by regrowing them. And I think to some extent, I mean, look, I've been doing this for 14 years. <laughs> uh, by regrowing them, it can keep you healthy as long as you live. So telomeres are related to uh, aging, in other words. You, your, your cells reproduce more accurately. Exactly. And of course, interestingly, way back in 1961, I spent nine months working with Sir John Eccles in Australia, and we were working on, quote, the plasticity of the nervous system, the ability of the neurons in your brain and your spinal cord to regenerate. Sir John Eccles being a Nobel laureate neurophysiologist. Exactly. Well, I was, he got it two years after I worked with him. <laughs> but he was, he, was a, he was a candidate the year I was there. <laughs> no, I had the pleasure of meeting him once. Uh, in fact, if I remember, it was 1976. He was the uh, guest speaker at the Parapsychological Association conference that I attended that year, and uh, because he uh, was very open to psychic functioning, and uh, I believe he considered himself a mind-body dualist. Exactly, absolutely. You know, he moved to this country in the late '60s when he retired in Australia. He actually moved to this country to continue his research. You're almost 100 now. You only have, what, 13 more years to go. 
And 13. <laughs> now, interestingly, let me give you another important story about reincarnation. Over 30 years ago, I had a spontaneous image of walking in the foothills of Assisi with St. Francis. In 2005, I was giving a lecture up in Canada at a medical meeting. Didn't mention reincarnation. And when I finished my lecture, the reincarnated St. Francis was in the audience. He came down. He recognized me as being one of his close companions. And we were standing there in front of 200 people hugging in tears together. <laughs> Obviously, the two of us had become very good pen pals. And interestingly, he's also a neurosurgeon, by the way, in Vancouver. And we may be the only two neurosurgeons in the world who talk about meditation. <laughs> and reincarnation, yeah. And reincarnation, yes. And so over the next few years, I met two other people who spontaneously, I knew they were companions. And so in June of 2015, the three of us, the, the other two brothers, if you will, went to Assisi and spent a week and it was like heaven. Two days after I came home, I had been invited to come up to Kansas City to hear a workshop on sound and music in medicine. And giving it with my friend was someone I never met before, Sergei Soren. I walked in the room and I knew him as a soul brother from St. Francis Day. And again, the reincarnated St. Francis has, re has confirmed it. And Sergei at the time was half my age. And he's the only one of us who's also a physician. So I took this physician and invited him to move to Springfield because I'd never been able to find a physician I trusted to take over my practice. I mean, I thought I was just going to give up and just do research. And to me, Sergey is truly, at all levels, a soul brother. So, and he's now with you in Springfield, Missouri, uh, as your partner in, in your medical practice. Exactly. I consider him my heir. What a wonderful story. Well, it is. And... You know, actually, when I walked in the room, I'd never seen this man. I walked up and hugged him. <laughs> His wife is sitting in the audience. She's, she's, she's reported and said, I think I just lost my husband. <laughs> but obviously, we're all friends now. She's here, too. <laughs> Since you brought up the whole question of St. Francis, I know that many people uh, who are uh, religious Christians uh, and I, I would imagine where you live in Missouri, uh, you're sort of in the Bible Belt area. They look on these things like reincarnation and spirit guides and, and psychic functionings as, as something possibly dangerous, diabolic, maybe even satanic. Has that ever been a concern for you? Not at all. I mean, the tongue of the buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> but 42% of our People in this area are what I call flaming fundamentalists. But interestingly, for many years, a significant portion of my patients are the wives of fundamentalists. The wives? Yeah, not the husbands, the wives. Women Are women more open? They're more open. Yeah, much more open than, than, than what I would call fundamentalist men. But as I said, I had a Catholic priest come to me just this week. 
I, I have an interesting statistic. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it has something to do with YouTube users, but according to YouTube, three quarters of our viewers are male. I don't doubt it. Uh, why do you think that's the case? Is it just because they, they get on their computers? Well, no, it's not just that. I think men spend no, more time on things outside themselves than men do, and than women do. In other words, they don't spend time meditating as much. They don't spend time training their brains as much. They are more distracted. But watching a YouTube video about people who do meditate might uh, interest them. Yes, they, they, they watch but don't do. <laughs> well, maybe uh, the lesson is for uh, many of our viewers, don't be just a couch potato, practice some of these exercises. Well, that is true. Remember, only 10% of Americans get 30 minutes of exercise four or five days a week. Only 10% get enough to stay alive. If you sit all day, your risk is the same as a person who smokes one to two packs of cigarettes a day. Is that right? Well, that's, I'm glad. I get out about an hour every day here in New Mexico. We have wonderful hiking trails, and I, I love hiking. It's probably not quite as vigorous as your exercise. You know, it, you know the most wonderful movement. Let me. I, I don't know if you could, yeah, yes. Look at my hands. Music conductors live longer than any other profession. This movement is actually better for the heart than walking or running. So, thirty minutes of my morning exercise is standing on a vibe machine, vibrating my body at anywhere from ten to fifty cycles per second while I am doing this. Oh, Con like you're conducting an orchestra. Exactly. Faster than, my, you know, it's like a jazz orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> and I do a treadmill for 20 minutes. And I do a, a health rider, which has 50 pounds of weight under the seat that I have to pull with my hands and feet. So that's quite vigorous. Do you, do you also take supplements, Norm? Oh, yes. I often say I've been on supplements since I was conceived. <laughs> my mother was a, su a supplement person. I don't remember ever in my life not taking at least a multivitamin and vitamin C. And I believe, by the way, I believe everybody should. Take a multivitamin and vitamin C. Yeah, because the world is so toxic today, Jeff. I mean... 65% of the rain in this country has Roundup in it. It's one of the greatest poisons in the world. There was a study in California several years ago. Organic wine has 35% as much Roundup as non-organic wine just because of the rainfall. In other words, there's no avoiding it. No, there's no such thing as organic anymore. We all have Roundup in our bodies. Exactly. And part antidote to that is a good set of health habits. And you need really, instead of one or two or three milligrams of the bees, you need 25 milligrams or more. Do, do you recommend antioxidants as well? Oh, yes. I take the equivalent every day of 20 servings of fruits and vegetables. 
through supplements. Yes. I couldn't eat that many. <laughs> and I know you also have written a book about the use of oils. Oh, yes. Well, one of the things I discovered back in the 90s was five circuits in the body, which I call the rings of fire, air, water, earth, and crystal. And it turns out that stimulating fire, earth, and crystal electrically was my first discovery of rejuvenating the telomeres. And in 2011, one day, just like that, I said, there's got to be a better way because it, it would take up to an hour a day to do it electrically. And, and these are st a way of looking at the acupuncture points, if I recall correctly. Exactly. The, the ring of fire is essentially the same as an acupuncture series called the Chung Mo. And I've actually been using the Chung Mo since the early 90s to help men who are infertile restore their fertility. So it raises DHEA, the ring of fire. So in 30 seconds, just pushing an oil into these 12 acupuncture points, 30 seconds a day, you can raise your DHEA 60%. So the oil was more effective than uh, needle stimulation or electrical stimulation. Well, more effective in time, especially. I mean, to take 20 minutes, most people won't take 20 minutes to save their life practically. And But it, the, the electricity will raise it, but it's time consuming. Did you say there are five circuits, five rings? Yes. All of those came to me, uh, well, from my guide. <laughs> Back in the, it started in 1995. And over a period of four or five years, I got all five of them. And that's when I proved initially that it would work with electrical stimulation. Oh, by the way, and that electrical stimulation had to be human DNA frequency. Human DNA resonates at 52 to 78 billion cycles a second at a billionth of a watt. And I, one of my electrical devices that I de uh, developed back in those days was the gigatens, which puts out those frequencies at that low uh, intensity. Because that's an extraordinarily high frequency. It is. But that's, according to Ukrainian physicists, that is human DNA frequency. And that's what we need. And by doing oh, another one of my inventions is something I call the Rejuva Matrix. It's a mattress which puts out those frequencies, but that low, you know, at a billionth of a watt. Lying on that while you sleep for an hour a night can regenerate your telomeres three and a half percent. Well, three is that three and a half percent per year? Is that what? Uh... 3.5% in a year. But, but you don't have to do anything but lie on it. Yeah. And, and if otherwise, if I recall uh, from your writing, uh, telomeres normally decline at a rate of 1% a year. That is correct. So we're actually 4.5% better than average. So do you sleep on this device yourself? I do. I have for, well, at least 12 years. So you're really doing everything uh, on almost every level, from the spiritual to the electromagnetic, to, to the exercise, to the nutritional supplements, to keep yourself in tip-top condition. Well, you know, I got married when I was 26 years of age, and I've always thought that was my peak year of vitality, if you will. 
honestly, I still feel mentally and physically as good as I did at age 26. You look great, and uh, you, we're certainly having a very interesting, coherent conversation. <laughs> well, my brain still functions pretty well. My body functions extremely well. And I get eight hours of sleep every night. Well, Norman Sheely, this has been a delightful conversation. Uh, I know we've got more planned, and I'm sure our uh, viewers are going to have a, a very positive response to this one and are going to want to hear a lot more. So in the future, we can go into more depth on some of these topics. We've sort of just provided an overview at this point. Absolutely. I'll, I'll bring my, my cranial pimp device and show it on my head. I'd love to see it. It's colored with plastic that's yellow because the, the opioid addicts call it their halo. <laughs> well, Norm, thank you so much for being with me, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again. I know we've got several additional dates in the calendar. It's wonderful to be with you always. Blessings. Mm -hmm. 